going to be in a place in the Word of God here today that, as I looked over all the, all the notes that I have, I think you all know I keep notes on, on everything and for all the years that we've been here, and so if I want to find out when was the last time I taught on something, I just do a, a search just because of the way that I have them um, filed and stuff, and within a few minutes I can find out exactly when it was and how many times. And um, I noticed that in this particular chapter, we taught a lot of times in the beginning and some at the end, but not a whole lot in the middle. So we're actually spending more time in the middle because it's helping us in this area of questions and understanding the things in the, in the questions area. Last week we were looking at the, one of the things was the woman. She was uh, bound by Satan. But we also saw some things that were done in the area of questions and that assumptions do work their way into our questions. And if we have wrong assumptions, we will get wrong answers. But we saw with the woman, just like in a lot of situations there, people are asking questions, why did the bad things happen? Why did the tower fall? Why did the people die? Why did Herod kill the priests? Why do these bad things happen? And even today, we have a lot of things, a lot of bad things that go on in the world. And we look at it and say, why did it happen? Some people have come up with the theology that God is in control. That is one of those things that when I'm listening to the song on the radio and they sing, God is in control, I turn it off. I would rather have secular music on than, than that. But silence is good. If that comes on, I turn it off. I don't let it be. I don't want to hear it. I don't care how good the song is. If God was in control, then God would not say, Your will be done on earth. What? As it is in heaven. Which means in heaven, His will is going on, not on earth. That means God is not in control of this earth. Doesn't it? See, the wrong theology has come out. God is in control. Well, nothing will happen to me that God doesn't want to have happen. That is wrong. I could take, take your time and go through the Word of God with it too. We've taught on this before. You all understand. Things happen in the Word of God that God did not want to have happen. Just in the last couple of weeks, we looked at why was this man born blind? Did his parents sin? Or did he sin? And Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but, that, but I have come to work the works of God. And he healed him, which means that God didn't want him that way. Otherwise, why would God heal him now? This woman was bound for 18 years, it said in the Word of God. Jesus said, 18 years she has been bound by Satan. But he came on the scene and what happened? They went away. Jesus told the parable of the fig tree that the person came and there's no figs on the fig tree. Let's cut it. The owner of the fig tree, of the vineyard said, let's cut it down. But the caretaker, Jesus, said, well, let's give it another year. Let me fertilize it. Let's see if we can get something out of this thing before we cut it down. You see, there was an intercessor. That fig tree wasn't wiped out because it was righteous. It wasn't wiped out because it was, it was bad or good. It wasn't wiped out because it had an intercessor. And you look at a lot of things that are going on in the world and you say, why does God allow that to happen? You see, if there's an intercessor in, involved, there's a lot of things that God will hold off on. We saw in the Old Testament that God would have stopped the judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah if he found how many people? Ten righteous people. Why did he get to ten people? Because there was an intercessor. The power of an intercessor. The power of someone standing in the gap. It's something we don't always know about, but it changes things. Jesus came on the scene, and that woman who was bound for 18 years was, was released, was set free. She no longer was bound. There's a lot of things going on in this world that until someone comes against it, they will continue to go on. It doesn't mean that God wants it, because God is not in control. He gave the control up. How many, how many can tell me, who did God give the control of this world up to? Adam. Who did Adam give control of this world up to? Satan. Do you remember when Jesus came with the, the uh, legion, the man with legion? And the, the, man, the spirit inside him said, Have you come to judge us, do you remember? Before the time. Before what time? Before such time as Adam's lease on this earth is over. And he regains it and once again is in control of this earth. What does the word of God call the devil? One of the terms, the God 
of this world. Why is he the God of this world? <laughs> because of Adam. And so the things you see go on are not necessarily the will of God until God's church gets involved and then we can change it. But you see, the devil loves theology like this because he has sold this on a lot of people. There's a lot of churches who preach this. There's a lot of ministers who teach it. There's a lot of songs that sing it. God is in control. I heard one person tell Brother Hagin, well, if God is in control, he sure got this world in a mess. Doesn't he? He's not doing a very good job, is he? This world's in a mess because God is not in control. You see, we've got to get some of these assumptions out of our thinking because they hinder you from receiving the truth. You've got to get rid of wrong assumptions. So that's some of the things we looked at in the past couple of weeks. False assumptions make answering a question correctly impossible. If you have false, false assumptions, can't answer the question right. If you assume the earth is flat, then the questions you get answered on the basis of that are going to be wrong. They're going to be wrong. False assumptions are often regarded by the people who hold them as sacred truth and they keep us blind and deaf to real answers. But we get assumptions. We have assumptions that we even have for our own lives. Do we get them through theories? We're trying to explain what has or has not happened to me, what has or has not happened to other people, or what we see going on in this world. And if I don't have the truth on it, then I come up with assumptions. But sometimes those assumptions can get so ingrained in me that I can't weed them out and I can't hear the truth anymore. Basically, the reason they come is I'm looking for a reasonable explanation that brings order to how I perceive God and justice or how I think good and evil should be rewarded or punished. Now here, in John 12, we're going to pick up at verse 27. But I wrote this out here, here in the, in the beginning because they're calling this, this one, what was that? When you ask a question, what was that? How many have ever asked the question, what was that? You saw something flash by, you heard something, you heard a sound, what was that? We want to know what caused that sound. What caused that, uh, that, that disruption? That, what was going on? We were, we were um, sitting in our living room the other day, and um, we don't have access to, to watch a lot of the things going on in the sports world. Um, we don't watch them. I don't, my wife never watched them. I gave up watching them years ago. I just get frustrated with different things. From them. But um, the Phillies were playing uh, a team. I don't remember which one it was, but they were playing a team and they apparently won the game. And all of a sudden at nighttime, well, I guess they won the game in the afternoon, but at nighttime we heard all this noise. I mean, loud noises coming on up. And so I went outside to see what all these noises were and I didn't see anything, couldn't hear anything, but figured out, all right, it's fireworks. Oh, I guess the Phillies must have won the game <laughs> and they had the fireworks going on. But you see, when you don't know, you can make assumptions. What's, what's that now? And you can make any assumption you want to. You could be wrong. You could be right. The problem comes in is when we don't know I've made an assumption. Because if I don't know I made the assumption, then I don't know I've accepted truth that could be false. And we have to be able to weed that out. So that's why we've been spending time on, on these things. But when we ask the question, what was that? We are basically asking what just happened or what has happened. Not what's going to happen. I'm not asking what's going to happen. I'm asking what has happened. It's already going on. I heard it. I saw it. I felt it. Whatever it was, it's already going on. What has happened? What is going on? That's the first thing we're asking. We're looking for understanding, but opinions often suffice. Have you ever noticed that? I want to get understanding, but very often opinions will suffice. What do you think that was? Well, I don't know, maybe it was this. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's their opinion. They don't know, but we accept it. So I'm looking for understanding. I really want to have understanding, but opinions often suffice. I realize or admit that I do not know. I may realize or admit that I don't know, 
but many people are willing to receive understanding from someone who saw exactly the same thing that they did. Exactly the same thing. And also know just as much or just as little about it as they do. <laughs> but if you, what do you think that was? I think it was this, oh, okay, okay, I can see that it was probably that. And we have no facts to go on, but we've all accepted that what was that is this. But we have no idea. You know, we got those pictures of the Loch Ness Monster. People say, what was that? And people come up with opinions as to what it was. We have pictures of uh, uh, Bigfoot out in the woods. What was that? People come up with opinions. We see a light in the sky. What was that? Well, I don't know of any plane that looks like that. I think it must have been. You see, we come up with opinions. They're not based on fact. Based on opinion. But we accepted it, so this is, how, this is how it is. So, John 12, 27. Now, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Now, if you're wondering about that word troubled, it is a different word than one we looked at before. It is the Greek word tarasso. It means to cause one inward commotion, to take one's calmness of mind, or to disturb their serenity. So when he's saying here, my soul is troubled, there is something that is coming against him to cause him inward commotion. So what should I pray? Should I say, save me from this hour? Because I got this inward commotion coming on? But this is the purpose that I came here for. He said, verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. A voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now look at this, a voice. What is the voice? It just says a voice, right? Now look at the voice. Look at what the voice says. I have both glorified it. Who's his, what's his prayer? Look at the prayer. Father, glorify your name. Who's the prayer to? Glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. That's, what the, that's the, the prayer and the answer. A voice came from heaven. Does not say anything about the voice. Just says a voice came from heaven. But look at what the voice says. I have. Who has? Well, he prayed to the Father to glorify the name. And the voice says, I have both glorified it. It's kind of like if you were to call around the house, maybe when you were little, Mom, what's for dinner? And the voice comes back. You don't see the voice, but you hear the voice. And the voice says, I have made spaghetti. Who's the I? Mom. Right? Who'd you ask? Yes, Mom. I have made spaghetti. All right, here's what God really said. Now look at this. It was important for us to spend time on that. You'll see this in a minute. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it, the people who stood by and heard it. There are people who stood by and heard the voice. So Jesus prays, the voice comes, Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it, they were there, they heard the voice. Get that. They heard the voice. Said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. What are they basing the fact that it thundered? What are the facts? What are the evidence? What, how do we know that this, this is so? It has thundered. Huh. Uh, did it thunder? It did not thunder, did it? What was it? It was a voice from heaven who said it. It was not thunder. But they came up. They were there. We're not talking about people who were someplace else. They were there. They heard the voice and said, It has thundered. 
This is why you have to be so careful taking your assumptions, taking your facts, taking your opinions from people that are around you. Good-natured people. Because they can be there with all the same evidence that everyone else has and come out, it had thundered. We're asking, what was that? What was that? What was that sound? What was that noise? Oh, it has thundered. Why do I say it has thundered? Well, I didn't really understand that it was a voice. I didn't, I mean, it's just kind of a noise. And a noise in the middle of the day, it's usually thunder. So I guess it thundered. See, we're reasoning it out. And we can come up with that. Now, if you went up to somebody and tried to get them to understand, that wasn't thunder. Oh, it was too. Don't try and tell me it was something else. It wasn't, it wasn't that. If you got somebody who saw lights in the sky and they're convinced there was a UFO flying saucer came and is trying to land down on, on upon us. <laughs> uh, and you try to say, no, it's not. It was, and you try to describe what kind of a phenomenon it was, what kind of thing was going on. Uh, you know, we had, to, uh, we had a discussion after church a couple weeks ago, some weeks ago, I don't know how, how many it was, because uh, I, t- I told you all, I believe that there's life on other planets. I believe there's other planets around. I believe there's life there. I do not believe they come. First off, the distance is extremely great. And I don't know that any other worlds fell. If God created any of the worlds, I don't know that they fell. If we are the only one who fell, what do you think God would say? Don't go there. And you see, they would obey because they probably haven't fallen. But I, I don't know that there's people in other worlds. I just sort of think that if you understand how vast this is, anybody... Of all the, the uh, encouragement I gave, has anyone looked up the James Webb Telescope? Anybody looked it up? I look this thing up all the time. I'm always looking at stuff. This is the newest thing in the sky. This is the Hubble. And do you know that right now they're already building the next one? They already got the next one built up. But if you will do some looks, looking up on this, you will take a look at some of the pictures, and they are phenomenal that the Hubble has produced of our solar system. And then they'll take one that the James Webb uh, uh, satellite has taken. Oh, wow. You thought you had detail before? Oh, man, have you got detail now. And they took one of these, I forget which one of the telescopes, it may have been the, the new one, but they pointed to a dark spot in space and they just left the camera open and they took picture of the place that was dark. The reason they did dark is because they wanted to get the faint stuff to take. If you have too many bright stars in the picture, you can't get that many. So, if you, if you, they shot this thing in there and they didn't just see stars in this black hole. Anybody see this? Did anybody see this at all? Alright, we got one. Oh, my, this is something. They didn't just see stars. In this small, tiny black area that just didn't have a whole lot of light coming from it, they shown this thing on there and they found not small stars, but galaxies. One after another, after another, after... This thing was filled with... This is one section of space filled with galaxies. We are in a galaxy called the Milky Way Galaxy. It is huge. It is so big we could not get from one side to the other. It is immensely huge. And it is one galaxy among many. There's another galaxy to this side, another galaxy to this side that we know about, but they're all over. This one picture, I couldn't count how many galaxies were in that one section of space. Galaxies. This is how big this place is. You think you know how big the universe is. It is bigger than you thought. It is immensely huge. When God builds stuff, he builds it big. (laughs) He is a big God. And he keeps it all in order. All in order. It is not hard for him to have the same kind of thing going on on other planets that he does here. I, but I do not believe that they come down and they fly around on little little spacecrafts to visit us and, and so forth. Don't not looking for anything like that. I, don't, I think if they're out there, they're not allowed to visit us. I would, th- I would think that myself. But anyway, you can think as you want to. We're all on conjecture, aren't we? We're all kind of speculating and just kind of 
wondering what's going on out there, but I'll tell you, these telescopes, they are pulling out some incredible detail on some of these things that are going on. But anyway, enough on that. So I like looking at them because I, it tells me how big my God is. I, I thought I knew how big he was. He's even bigger. And then I find out, wow, he's this big, and then he, wow, he's even bigger. Holy cow. He is so big. So he said, where do we leave off there? Verse 29. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Did an angel speak to him? No, if it was an angel, why would the angel say, I have glorified it? So we got one group that's saying it's thundered, another group that's saying it's angel, and they're both wrong. But you see, they've come up with those opinions based on nothing. Absolutely nothing. You see how easy it is? to get nothing as a foundation and you base a, a, a whole thing on it. There are people who are carrying around sickness and disease in their body because they believe that God has it for them. I heard one person, I just heard this story this week. I know I've heard it before, but heard it again. It still stunned me. Oh yeah, I forgot people were that stupid. Because <laughs> they are. <laughs> it's unbelievable. This person said, well, you know, she had cancer and she was in a meeting to get healed and uh, they were ministering to her on that. And she says, well, God spoke to me. He told me. He says, I can't trust everyone with cancer, but I can trust it with you. <sighs> can you but you see, if you did get the wrong assumptions, if you take the wrong truth, let the wrong truth come in, and you take falsehood in as truth, you can come up with that. Now, if you're listening to God, you would say, Get behind me, Satan. Amen. Come on. You trust me with cancer? God's delivered me from cancer. He's not Amen. trusting me with anything. You see, you get indignant about it. And, uh, and that's what you got to do. That's what I get indignant on false teaching. I, I listen to somebody, and I, I'm picky about who I listen to, but if I'm listening to somebody and they get into something and it's wrong, it's off. I don't need to hear it. No, I don't mean little... It's all right, right? He just doesn't know... That, that, that's, that's fine. I'm talking about false stuff. They want to start teaching me false stuff. It's out. I don't need to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It's gone. Don't let it get into you. It's, you, you just don't. You, you, you got to get around the truth. Keep getting around the truth. So one thinks it's an angel. One thinks it's thunder. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now, that verse astounds me. Why did the voice come? According to Jesus. For them. Right? The voice came from God. God spoke it for the purpose of them hearing it. That's the purpose. That is the very purpose God has for sending this down. And the people that it was purposed for said it had thundered. It was an angel. They missed it. God intends a lot of truth to come down to his people. But we miss it. We miss it. I don't think it's that hard to figure out. The voice says, I have. That means who? That means God the Father. Yeah. Who else is that? That's the voice of God the Father. Oh, it couldn't have been the voice of God the Father. God the Father wouldn't speak. and let us, It had to be something else. What else could it be? Maybe it's just thunder. Nah, nah, he probably sent an angel. That's probably what it was. See, we're just supposing. But then once we suppose, then we, we get this. A child, a baby child dies. And people don't understand why that is. Why did that happen? Well, God just must have needed them more than you did. Such garbage. What did you base that on? What truth in the Word of God did you base that on? Where does the work of God take place? Here on earth. Now look at that prayer of Jesus. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If his will is already being done in heaven, how much help does he need? I mean, think about it. If God's will is already being done in heaven, how much help does he need? Where's his will not being done? Where can he use some help? On earth. So why is God taking people off the earth before their time? He's not. But you see, people get into... That's wrong stuff. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me. I didn't need it. 
It came because of you. It's for your sake. There could not have been, as we said, any evidence at all that it was a thunder, any evidence that it was an angel. But people still decided that it was. Verse 31. Now, <clears throat> now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. That's verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the what? Ruler of this world will be cast out. Well, that's not God, is it? No. Who's the ruler of this world? Satan. Satan. He's going to be cast out. You see bad stuff going on in this world. It's the ruler of this world. Who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy? Satan. He is the ruler of this world. When you see stealing, killing, and destroying going on, who's behind it? Satan, not God. Why does God get blamed? Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. Now, now check this verse out. Judgment is coming. What will the judgment that is brought upon the world yield? It says it right there. The judgment that comes upon this world will yield the ruler of this world being cast out. When he brings the judgment on this world, the ruler of this world will be cast out, right? You got to understand that verse to understand the rest. Verse 32, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself, this he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people had answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? All right. <clears throat> Some of this is blind to us because we don't live in that day. When he says the Son of Man will be lifted up, this is what he is saying. The Son of Man will be crucified. If you say... If you commit that crime, you will get the chair. What does that mean? Electrocution, death penalty, right? If you say, just to throw out that phrase, you'll get the chair. You could get the chair. For, we could just say, you'll get the chair for that. We understand the chair is a death penalty. And all we have to do is say, the chair, and we get it. What it is. All they got to do is say, lift it up. What's lifted up? Lifted up on a cross. So when they say, the Son of Man will be lifted up. He is signifying by what death he will die. He's not talking about lifted up into some kind of glory or lifted up in honor in some way. He says the Son of Man will be lifted up. Which means they understand he's coming to an end. He will die. They understand that. He's speaking in their language. Not our language, but their language. So we just translate it for you so that you understand that's what he is saying. So they have this understanding of the Christ that when Messiah comes, he will reign forever. How many know that's in the scriptures? So they have this understanding. This is what's in their head. When Messiah comes on this earth, he will take over the kingship and he will reign forever and his kingdom will be forever. That's what they understand. So they're trying to understand what Jesus is saying in light of what they already think they know. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Now, did they hear this from the law or did they just assume it? Now... In the law, there are many prophecies in the prophets and the law. There are many prophecies that talk about the ministry of the Messiah. That the Messiah will come, describes the, the uh, lamb part of the ministry, and then the king part of the ministry, and it merges them all together. We talked about in the last couple of weeks, Jesus res would go into the synagogue, as was his custom. He would read that prophecy that talked about what the, what the Messiah would do, and he stops halfway through the prophecy and puts the thing up. Because he understands there are two parts to the ministry of Messiah. The first part is the lamb. The second part is the king. In Daniel's prophecy, he says Messiah will be what? Cut off. And that is between the 69th and the 70th week. 
and then the 70th week will come up. They didn't see that there was a break between week 69 and week 70. They saw it all flowing together. And that's why they don't understand what Jesus is teaching. What do you mean Messiah will be lifted up? What do you mean Messiah will die? We're understanding from the word that he will live forever. So they can't understand what Jesus is teaching because they misunderstood what came before. He's trying to help them out with this. So we have heard that the law, from the law that Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He is talking to the people that have the law, that have the prophets, that have the word of God. Darkness can overtake Just because you've got the Bible in front of you doesn't mean that darkness can't overtake you. Because I can point you to a whole lot of people out there right now. They've got the Bible, and they're preaching from the Bible, and they're saying things about God, but they are in all kinds of darkness. All kinds of darkness. If you're going to be up there preaching and teaching and saying that God made mistakes, and some boys were actually supposed to be girls, and some girls were supposed to be boys, and we had to do operations and all sorts of things to change. No, you are not walking in the light. You are walking in darkness. Mm-hmm. There's a, who's at that race down in, um, is it down in Georgia? Hersher Walko, he's, he's against uh, some minister. I use that term loosely. He is not, to me, he is not a minister. But I understand that he goes by that title or he has that, uh, that degree in there. But you cannot take the Word of God and use it to support abortion. Cannot do it. Because God judged nations on the fact of how they treated babies. Judged nations. Wiped them out because of the way they did it. There were certain gods they would sacrifice the babies to. And Israel picked some of those things up. You cannot use the Bible for it. But there's that, uh, that guy, I don't even know what his name is, don't care what his name is. That's not right. There's a lot of people out there that are, are ministers and they're, they're saying things and they're doing things and that's, uh, that just shouldn't be going on. Shouldn't be teaching that. A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. In other words, they tried to find them, but they couldn't. Now, we have heard. They thought they knew something. How many times have you gone up to Christians? Yeah, but I thought, I heard, and we believe this about God. But it's wrong. And you could show them things in the Scriptures. But it's wrong. Brother Keith, uh, Brother Keith Moore was teaching this one time, and he said, you may remember telling you this story. A lady came up to him, and he was teaching something on the Word of God, something on faith. And the woman came up to him and says, Yeah, but the song says. And he said, The what? He thought, he, he thought she said the psalm. No, the song says, and she quoted the song. He's totally stunned. I'm quoting the Bible. To, you're quoting a song. And that's messing you up. That does to some people. We have heard, yeah, but the song said. They understood the forever part of Messiah, but the understanding they had was incomplete. You've got to understand some things. You may understand some things in the Word of God, but your understanding could be incomplete. And God, through His Spirit, may speak to you about what the rest of that is. I know many times I have taught on things. And then years later, I get the revelation. Oh, that's what that is. That's what I didn't see that before. My revelation was incomplete. I got that next part to it. I've used this example before, but it's the best one I can think of. When we were teaching about end times, we used to always come to that part about Rome. And um, uh, the problem we have with Rome, and I knew this decades ago, but the problem we have with Rome is that in the book of Daniel, all five of his kingdoms have Babylon as their capital. All five. That's a problem that has been spotted decades ago. But the explanation for it was, when Rome becomes reborn, then Rome will have Babylon as their capital. And that's one I accepted for a while. 
but I, it didn't sit completely right with me, but I, I could accept that. I don't know anything else. And uh, if you were in here in the end times class years ago when we were, we were doing this and I was reteaching it, and I got a hold of this guy's uh, uh, book, and he asked some of the same questions about that time period that I had. I was so excited. He asked the same questions. Oh, this is good. So I got into his book, and I was getting so frustrated because he took a long time to answer those things, and he was answering other stuff that I didn't care about and didn't really think he had a good handle on. But I kept getting my spirit. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. I stayed with it. Oh, it was tough. If you were here in the class, I told you how tough a time I had with that. But I stayed with it. Finally, he got to the spot, and he said, the fifth kingdom in the book of Daniel, the one that would go and destroy and the one that would annihilate and wipe everything out in existence was not Rome. Now he's got my attention. What do you mean it's not Rome? And Rome is not the reborn kingdom that will come back. All right, got my attention now. Let's go. And so he went on and he showed in, in this that Rome was not what was meant in Daniel. It is one of the kingdoms, but it's not the one Daniel was talking about. The one that Daniel was talking about was actually, uh, came after Rome. And it was the Islamic Caliphate, it was what it was called. And the Islamic Caliphate actually had a very large kingdom. And when they came in, they didn't just come in and do like Rome did. Rome assimilated you. Rome came in, and if you wanted to surrender, fine, you can go on, life is good, just pay us the taxes. They didn't care. You want to worship whatever God? Go ahead, worship whatever God you want to. We're fine with that. But the Islamic Caliphate was not that way. When they came in, if you would not swear allegiance to their gods and worship their gods their way, you were dead. Whatever, whatever things were built towards other gods were burned, wiped out. That kingdom matched Daniel's description, not Rome. Rome never did. And when he brought that out, I said, you're exactly right. I know that. But I just never com completed it. And so he went through and and so all that, it's the Islamic Caliphate was the kingdom, the final kingdom in, in Daniel that would be revived. And what you're looking for now, the whole lot of pe people out there looking for a revived Roman Empire. They're looking for the wrong kingdom. It's going to be a revived Rome, uh, Islamic Caliphate. And I can show you other, there's a ton of places I can show it to you in Scripture. And we have done some of that in the end times classes and, and so forth. But not going to get into all that right now. But the final kingdom will be centered around Babylon. And it will also be centered around, as we talked about some weeks ago, the king of the north. And the king of the north is not Russia. The king of the north is the area of Syria, Iran, Iraq, Turkey, all that area. That's where your ten nations are coming from. It's real clear in Scripture. Anyway, I finally got that. Oh, now, to see, as long as I held on to, no, Rome is that kingdom. Rome is that kingdom. It's going to be, as long as I hold on to that, I can't get the rest of the revelation on that. I had to be willing to relinquish that. And there's many times I've had that in Scripture. I'm trying to understand something. I have to relinquish something I thought was true in order to get what is true. You'll see this in science. Many times people in science, in the areas of mathematics, in the uh, areas of history, we have assumptions. We have things we thought were true. It turned out, no, they're not true. We have to let those things go in order to walk in the new truth, to walk in the better understanding what was going on there. I wrote some scriptures down for you. Psalm 110, Isaiah 9, and so forth. These are scriptures. If you want to see the forever part of Messiah, you can go back and read all these. I'll read a couple of them for you here. Ezekiel 37, 25. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwelt, and they shall dwell there, they, their children and their children's children, forever, and my servant David shall be their prince forever. See, that's where they're getting it from. They didn't understand the break that was there. They didn't understand the judgment that came in on Israel because of their disobedience. Daniel 7, 13, I was watching in a night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. The one which shall not be destroyed. His, his dominion, which will not pass away. This is where they're getting some of that forever stuff and some of the other scriptures in there that I gave you there. And if you want to go look them up, you can. Now, Jesus was trying to teach his disciples differently. He's trying to let them know the Son of Man will be crucified, will be dead, buried three days. On the third day, he will rise again. He tried to teach them this. They couldn't hear it. One of the reasons they couldn't hear it 
is because they are still on this doctrine of the forever Messiah. Once he's here and Jesus is here and we're recognizing that he's Messiah, once he's here, it's forever. That's what kept them from understanding everything. Jesus taught them how many times? The Son of Man will be crucified, will be dead, buried, three days, third day, raised. How many times did he tell them that? And they still didn't get it because they held on to this. Some of these teachings that are wrong, that have gotten into our theology, gotten into our thinking, are preventing us from understanding God better. And we've got to press in and find out. Verse 37. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. Now, you can make a list of all the signs that he had done, but just in this previous chapter in John, do you remember this, the sign, the miracle that was done? And just amazed them. Lazarus was raised from the dead after having been dead four days. And he did a whole lot of miracles in the town before that, and they were ready to, to kill him. And so he had to leave. And so he left, and then he was going to go back for Lazarus, and all the disciples said, well, let's go back with them and die with them. Because they're all mad at him. He had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our report? You see, they couldn't believe what was going on because Jesus didn't meet up with certain things they thought. Messiah needs to first off be born in Bethlehem. Jesus came from Nazareth. Well, that doesn't work. I think they kind of just expected him to drop down. But um, he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. All they had to do is ask Jesus, where were you born at? Were you born in Nazareth? They get a little, little history on they could find out. But you see, they heard he's a Nazarene. Oh, well, he can't be the Messiah then. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? No, not going to have that. So they had a lot of stuff going on that kept them from doing it. The Pharisees, how could someone who is of God be healing on the Sabbath? So they were determined that Jesus was not the Messiah because he healed on the Sabbath. See, it's all ideas that they've got of Messiah that kept them from believing the truth. Now, you better understand this, because I had to come to an understanding. I have got beliefs that are keeping me from understanding God better. My mission is to understand what those beliefs are and weed them out. Because as I weed them out, I understand my God better. I understand His Word better. But i got to weed them out. God will help me. But sometimes just wake you up in the middle of the night. Did you see where the Word of God said this? Oh, I didn't realize that. Wow, I, I am so glad that I am born in this day and age. So glad I am born in this day and age. I am glad I was not born and, and, and lived, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years. I am so glad, so glad. Because when I wake up in the middle of the night and God tells me, throws a little bit of truth like that down on me. Did you see where this said? I can just pull my phone up, look up that verse, and there it is. Look at that. There it is, right there. And I can make notes right there on my phone <laughs> and just write it all down and go pull it up later. I couldn't have done that before. Oh, I'm so grateful for that. Oh, the searches I'm able to do. Oh, I'm going to ask Paul when he got up there. Paul, how did you do it? How did you? Do I mean, I can get up there and in a matter of five, ten minutes, do searches that would have taken hours with a concordance over the Strong's or something like that. How I can get it done, and I can search on Greek words and have the entire list up within seconds to minutes. And it's all right there. Oh, glory to God. We better be doing something with all this. We've got to be getting into the Word and understanding it better. Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah again said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. Now, to the Hebrews, we've, we mentioned this before, to the Hebrews, if God does not prevent something, what does God do? God causes it. If He doesn't prevent it, He causes it. If you, if you know the Hebrew language, I'm not a Hebrew language scholar, but if you know the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language does not have a, um, uh, a permissive sense. As a causative sense, it doesn't have a permissive sense. So you have to get the permission, permissive part from the context. 
But see, they didn't have that in their thinking. They don't see God as being permissive in this. They see God as actually causing it if God didn't stop it. So you could actually read this better that he has, he has um, not that he has blinded their eyes, but he's allowed them. Just like he did with Pharaoh. Pharaoh, if you want to harden your heart, I'm going to take my hands off and let you harden your heart as much as you want. And he hardened his heart so much he ruined his country. Ruined the army, ruined the finances, ruined the crops. He ruined the country. He has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. You see, if they turn, I'll have to heal them. If they repent, I'll have to forgive them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Now, if they had an intercessor, they'd be in better off shape. Not all these people had intercessors. Not, Israel was not always with someone who would, who would stand and intercede. How many times would Israel have been wiped out in the wilderness if they didn't have the intercessor Moses? Now, what came first is their decision to not believe. That was earlier in the scripture. That came first. They decided not to believe. And because they decided not to believe, their hearts were hardened. And they reasoned why this is not Jesus, why this is not Messiah, why this is not the, the guy that we're looking for. That led them down the road to not be able to believe anything good about Jesus as their hearts were hardened to light because of the darkness they accepted. You'll see this still with people today. We have accepted so much darkness that I can't see the light. Can't see it. You look at people out there, how can you not see this? Now look, he's going to teach them some other things here. Verse 42. Verse 41 first. These things Isaiah said when he, look at this, when he saw his glory and spoke of him. These are the things that Isaiah said about the hardening of their hearts. He said these things, but here he is saying, Isaiah saw it. He saw the glory and he saw them. Can you imagine that? He didn't just prophesy words. He didn't just speak words that God gave him. He saw the glory of God being poured out and the people hardened to Jesus. He saw it. Wow. These are the things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. He saw it. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praises of men more than the praises or the praise of God. They loved the praise of men. They loved people saying, oh, you're such a good ruler. Oh, you're such a good guy. They didn't want to lose that. So there's many people in the rulership of the country who believed in Jesus. But they wouldn't confess them. They wouldn't stand up and say, I believe in Jesus. They wouldn't do it. Because the Pharisees will get mad. And the Pharisees will rule us out. The Pharisees will throw us out. We don't want that. We don't want to be thrown out of the synagogue and we want their praises, so we're not going to, I'm going to believe this, but I'm not going to say it. You see, whenever that happens, whenever you have a belief that you can't come out and say, that you can't come out and proclaim, it's because you want something else more than what that belief is. They wanted the praises of men and they loved it more than they loved the things of God. That's the same thing with people today. You got people, they like money, they like power, they like other things more. Now, the people in the world who refuse to believe in Jesus, that's this day or his day, they've made themselves abide in darkness. They're, they made that decision. Verse 47 If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, how many, does that puzzle anybody? I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. I did not come. He did not come to judge the world. Well, doesn't the world need to be judged? Doesn't the world have a, have a, a judgment that is needed? 
I did not come to judge. Judge him. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. Hmm. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So, if people are being judged, Jesus is saying, I'm not doing it. That's what he said. This is out of his mouth. I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. That's his purpose. I came to save the world, not to judge it. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. You see, the word has already been spoken. The word is already out there. That word is what will judge him. Jesus is not coming to judge him. The word is already out. It's already there to judge them. That's what he is saying. Next verse. For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me and gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak, and I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Look at verse 48 again. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him, the word that I have spoken. You see, people are born into this world and we are already judged. Jesus said in the beginning, he said, I've come, I came to save them. I came that they might have life. When Jesus came into this world, people were already on their way to hell. If Jesus did nothing, they all would have gone to hell. But Jesus came to do something for the purpose of saving. Now, I didn't come here to judge because that's already been done. The word that has been spoken, it's already judged you. I'm here to get you out of the judgment. If you believe in me, if you believe in my words, if you'll do what my words say to do, you'll get out of the judgment. I don't want you in the judgment. I didn't come here to judge you. I came here to save you. You see the difference? But people see the ministry of Jesus as a ministry of judgment. He's here to judge people. He's here to, to uh, burn up the people that are wrong. And we, how many times do we say, oh, God just judged that one. Just, oh, just judge that one. His purpose is to come in to save them, not to judge them. I don't have to judge them. The word that's gone before has already judged them. I'm here to try and get them out of that judgment. That's his purpose. So Jesus did not come to judge, but to give a world a way to be removed from what does judge them. I want to give you a way to be removed from it. But if one rejects the way, they remain in the the judgment. I don't get judged because he judged me. I get judged because I stayed in the way of judgment. That's all. If you got on a train track and that train was barreling on down, the reason that you got hit is because you're on the train track. If you got out of the way of the train, you wouldn't have got hit. Jesus is saying, I'm here to get you out of the way of the train. The judgment is coming, but I don't want you to have to be in it. But you see, we come to a lot of things we, that, that are spiritual and we're not making intelligent, uh, we're not making any sense. We're coming up with answers, but they're not intelligent ones. How many looked at the comic that I had in the, in the bulletin today? Took a little more effort to get that one. But I, I liked it because it, it showed you this point. Some people, they ask you questions. They don't want to do any work. They just want to guess, because if I guess and I'm wrong, you'll give me the answer. You'll give me the answer. I like the, the thing, what's two times seven? Let's go over the time samples. One million. <laughs> no, you're guessing. That's, just the, that's not even a, an attempt at an answer. You're guessing. But you see, this is what a lot of people do. They just guess. What was that sound? What was that noise? That's oh, thunder. So they're guessing. It was an angel. They're guessing. Wait, just look at what the voice said. The voice said... I. That means who? You don't have to guess. It's right there. But yet people would prefer a guess. Well, I think it might have been thunder. What can you learn from thunder? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. You might be able to learn something from an angel. There's a question that people will throw out. and You can probably come up with all kinds of ones. I threw out one here. Why would a loving God send people to hell? Why would a loving God send people to hell. There's a lot of Christians out there, they're in that ultra grace group. And they want to teach, Jesus came and he died to save 
all. All means all. That means all people everywhere are saved through the work of Christ. Uh, not if they reject Him. Not if they don't accept Jesus. If they reject the words of Jesus, they reject what Jesus has done, then they're not saved. Why would a loving God send people to hell? You see, that answer, that, that question cannot yield an answer of truth because it assumes falsehoods about God. There's a lot of times that people were asking questions that assume so many falsehoods that they can't get a right answer. And then people get an answer to it. Who do you think is answering the question? It's not God. It's not the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of this world. It's the ruler of this world. They're the ones that are coming up with the answers. They love when you answer the, ask these questions based on falsehoods because they can feed you any answer they want. You will accept it. And now your belief system is altered. And you are hindered from receiving certain truth. These people could not receive the truth that Jesus is teaching here because of the truth they thought they already knew. You've got to be careful of these things. What holds me back the most in life is not the truths I don't know, but those I have accepted as true but are not. I know somebody said something similar to that. It's not, not new to me. I don't, I just, sometimes I hear things and they just rattle around in my head for a while. I don't know who said something like that, but what holds me back the most in life is not the truth I don't know. Very often Christians think, well, I don't know. If I only knew more about faith, I could, I could walk in it more. If I only knew more about grace, if I only knew more about righteousness, if I only knew more about healing, if I only knew more about the work of Jesus, if I only knew more about these things, then, then I'd be free. No, that's not what's holding you back the most. That can hold you back, but that's what's holding you back the most. What holds you back the most is the things that you have accepted as true about God that are not. That's what holds you back the most. Because as long as you hold on to this, this is what God is, this is who God is, this is what God does, as long as you hold on to that, then who God truly is cannot get to you. Have you ever had people around you at work, around you in the neighborhood, who heard something false about you? And accepted it as true without ever checking with you. And because of that, you can have no relationship with them. That thing they believe isn't true. It didn't happen that way. But they believe it. Then it hinders. That's the greatest hindrance to that relationship is what they think they know about you. It's not a hindrance what they don't know about you. They don't know where you came from. They don't know what your goals are. They don't know what you have done. That's not the hindrance. The hindrance is what they think they know about you and have accepted it as being truth. If you want to find out how sensitive am I to the things of God, how sensitive am I to the voice of God, here you go. You are the most sensitive to the voice of God when you can hear it over the roar of tradition and ritual that rage in our lives. When you can hear the voice of God over all the tradition that you've grown up with, over all the rituals that might be in your life. When you can hear the voice of God over that, and He can just speak to you, and you can drop one of those things like a bad habit. Just let it go. If you can do that, boy, you are sensitive to the things of God. But see, most Christians, we live in a way, where I, I can't do it. I hang on to this thing. No, I know this to be true, but the Word of God is real clear. And they can help us. Now, here's an example with Paul. How long had, God, had Paul been being spoken to by God. How long had God tried to reach Paul about the way that he was going, that it was the wrong way? You remember when he showed up on the road to Damascus and God said, how long will you kick against the goads? In other words, how, how long will you go against the grain? I have been trying to get you to go in the right direction and you keep resisting. Why did he keep resisting? God was speaking to him. Jesus is the way of the truth. This is the way of light. This is the way that you should go. And he's resisting. Why? Because he believes certain things to be true that were false. Who are you, Lord, that I persecute you? I am Jesus. He spoke these things to him. And Paul finally got to the place where he accepted it as true. And his life turned around. 
Boy, did it turn around. But you see, the only thing that was holding him back up to then is the things that he accepted as true but were false. Your life is not in bondage because of what you don't know. Your life is in bondage because of what you think you know that is wrong. And as long as you keep asking questions based on false things about God, you will keep getting false answers and you will stay in that bondage. But when you get to the place where the Spirit of God can open up His Word to you, oh, that's what that means. Oh, I see that now. Oh, Jesus loves me. He didn't send this thing to me. Oh, I see that now. Oh, you can walk into a place of freedom. This is the freedom that He wants for you. He doesn't want us to walk in a place of judgment. He doesn't walk into a place of bad things happening. He doesn't want us to be walking in a, in a way of life where we accept that the nasty things in our life are there because God did it or God is judging us or God is doing this or whatever it might be. He wants us to get freed from that and find out why are the bad things in my life when I can find out why they're there, what's going on, what's keeping me in that situation, then I can really deal with the cause. But as long as I keep asking the wrong questions based on wrong, wrong assumptions, false data, I'll get answers, but they won't be answers that are right. Look at some of the things that we did in history in the medicine area. Anybody ever done some, some looking at the history of med medicine, some of the things? I mean, how many, how many like to go back to the days of leeches? Anybody want to go back to those days? Put a leech on you and then just suck out all the bad stuff. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> some of the things that they would do to, um, to, to help people out. They thought they were helping them out, but there were wrong assumptions in, in these things. And, and they, they just didn't know what was, what was going on. But you see, you can know. Thank God we've come to places where you go to the hospital, they don't put leeches on you anymore. Actually, I think there's a couple of things they still use them on. <laughs> but for the most part, they don't, they don't opt to them right off the bat. They'll, they'll go to some other things. I heard, actually, you might not like this one, but uh, anybody ever seen maggots? You know, there's actually a medical reason for those. They will actually take them to some burn victims and put the, the maggots on them. It sounds gross and terrible, but you see the maggots only eat dead skin. Only eat dead skin. They don't eat live stuff. So if you want to get just the dead stuff off, you put the maggots on, they take all the dead stuff off, and they leave all the live stuff, and then you get the maggots off. I mean, it sounds gross, doesn't it? <laughs> it does sound gross. But... There, are, there is a place for some of those things that they, they had done. There was a little bit of truth there, but they didn't quite understand it all, and they used it in places that it probably shouldn't have been used. But if you can understand, God, I may have accepted some things as truth that are not, but I am ready for you in my spirit to speak to me and give me light because you don't desire that I walk in darkness. You want me to walk in the light. So, Father, help me to uncover the darkness that is still in my life the things that are, I believe about you that are not true at all, that are not based on anything but assumption, not based on anything but opinion. And you can help me to uncover those things. And I guarantee you, with every one that he uncovers, you will understand so much more about God. The light will dawn. You will say, wow, I didn't understand this to this degree. Because false teaching, false assumptions, and false opinions so dominate what we think we know about God. But we don't know yet. So keep studying. Keep pressing in. Because God will speak to you. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, I thank you that you have sent light to us. And light comes to us to dispel the darkness, to drive it all out, to drive it away, to get rid of it. We do not need the darkness in our life, and the darkness is what's keeping us in bondage. The devil loves it because he knows he can keep us in bondage, and he keeps feeding the fan that feeds those opinions, that false assumption, wrong teaching. Father, I thank you for your light that will come in and will dispel the darkness. And bring us to a place of understanding with God. 
that we didn't have before. And we will see the shackles we didn't even know we had begin to fall off. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, more to look at in the area of questions. I'll tell you, we could, I could spend a year on this and not cover it all. We're not going to spend a year on it, I don't think. But we could spend a year on this and not cover all the questions and all the things that are, that are in the Word, just like this one and the other ones that we've had in the past. But um, we will uh, take time and we'll be going over some of these. But allow God to speak to you. How many pray the prayers of Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 for yourself? Colossians 1. There's three prayers in the Word of God, and you ought to be praying them for yourself. Brother Hagin used to teach us about that, and he say, pray them until you're satisfied. And then when you become unsatisfied, pray them again. And those are prayers about revelation, about understanding, about learning about God. Pray them. Put your name in there. Paul prayed them for the saints. Chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter uh, 1 of Colossians. If you're not sure where they are, send me a text. I'll send you the reference. Put it right there for you. Put your name in there and pray them every day. For you. He prayed every day for the saints. For the, you can pray every day for yourself. If you've got people in your life that you want to pray for, pray those prayers for them, that their eyes would be opened up. They would understand the things of God. This is right around the kind of thing where he's, he's doing that. We've got a teaching coming out for you tomorrow. This is a, uh, uh, it's not the one I was telling you before about, but it's a Brunello Brother Hagin one. It's a two-hour teaching, but they combine two separate nights into one. So you have the first hour, and then there's a break, and it starts up with the second one, but it's just going to flow. So if you're looking at two hours, I don't have two hours. That's okay. Do one hour, and then come back again later on and do the second one. But um, some great stuff on there. He's teaching on the very topics, the very uh, scripture that we're teaching on on Wednesday night, on Ephesians 6. And he's teaching on intercession. He's got a lot of great uh, stories to help uh, uh, show that out. But he's uh, teaching on prayer. Teaching some great teaching on prayer. There is actually another part that comes up. We'll put that up next week. If it comes up and you get through the two hours, you'll probably come up on yours too. You'll see it, intercession, part two. But uh, that'll come up on your, on your feed for you. It's, uh, it's some great teaching to get hold of. And as always, I'd love to hear your comments. If you're getting something from these things, I'd love to hear uh, that you did. I don't always get too many of them. So I'm left kind of, well, I hope this is, this is still working for people or the folks enjoy it. But love to hear when you have some feedback on those things. Also, I, I put in your bulletin last week.